Derek, welcome to the show. What's up, Luke, man? How we going? Dude, doing great. How about yourself? I'm blessed, man. Blessed, man. I'm honored to be here with my friend. It's been way too long. I was I was reflecting on it since obviously we played football together at Idaho State, but the last time we played together was in 2012. Can you can you believe it? It doesn't feel that long ago, and I can't believe it. I still feel young at times, but sometimes I remind when I'm reminded when I try to run around with my kids, run around with my kids a little bit. I, I'm like, yeah, it was 12 years ago. <laughs> I know we don't have it like we used to, but man, those times back at Idaho State, uh, we had some great memories together, and we'll get to that as we talk through this podcast today. But appreciate you taking the time. Really, what we want to do in this forum is talk to different people, yourself and others, who have had. A unique journey, right? Everyone has something unique that they bring to the table that provides value to others around them. And I see you're doing a lot of things in the community. Yeah. You obviously have two beautiful sons, a wife, something that you're really proud of. Want to get to that too. But want to dive into kind of what set the stage for you as a person, right? And to do that, got to go back to who you were as a kid. Mm -hmm. If I look at both of our upbringings, I would imagine they were very different, right? I grew up in a suburb in Idaho small town vibe right in the country. And you grew up in Stockton, California. So yeah. as we jump in today, I want you to give us a little bit of flavor of what your childhood was like and kind of how that set the stage for you as a person. No, man, most definitely, man. Well, born and raised in Stockton, California. I lived a little bit on each side of town. Uh, mom raised me, mom, grandma, dad was around, um, just not in the house full time. Um, but one thing I could say is, uh, Stockton is a place where I think it's a, it's a melting pot. You have a lot of different ethnicities, different cultures. So you deal with everybody as far as it could be black, white, Chinese, Portuguese, different types of, different types of Asians, Cambodians, Hispanics, just a melting pot of individuals. So you deal with all these people and you learn all these cultures It makes you really aware of, you know, people. You get what I'm saying? Of yeah. people. And I had a different upbringing because I might have been living in, I guess you could say, uh, you know, the hood. But I still, from kindergarten to sixth grade, I went to private school. Um, so, you know, I would go to private school during the day, come to the neighborhood later on and grew up in the church. And, you know, a mom who always installed just confidence and being just having a personality. You know, my mom always let me, she was always letting me be myself. She never said, don't do that. Don't do that. I was just, she just was open to the idea of me just being me a hundred percent through in and throughout. So that's a little bit just to not get too long winded of my upbringing in a matter of one minute. Side to California, you know, to some people might not be the best place statistically, but in my eyes, it's the best place in the world to raise a kid. Yeah. I mean, it, it made you who you are, right? So yeah. your dad's not in the house a ton. Do you have a strong relationship with him or how did that dynamic work for you as a kid? Yeah, no, nah, um, my dad, you know, he, he's a, a Stockton guy, you know, one of the Stockton OGs. So, um, you know, he had his own trials at times, but he's a great father. He, you know, um, he did what he can. And, you know, I love that guy. You know, we're closer now in adulthood than my childhood. Um, he's one of my best friends now in, in adulthood. Um, so, but one thing my mom never did, uh, which I see a lot of people do, a lot of women do. She never, you know, shitted on him. She never, cut my bad for cussing. She never shamed him or whatever the case is because he was out doing his thing or whatever. Um, so, you know, I had a, re a real strong mom that always helped me keep that relationship with my father. Yeah, that's great. How did you balance those influences? Obviously, going to private school most of the day helped you kind of stay away from some of the, the bad activities. Were there things that 
kind of tried to pull you away from that at times or how did you balance that in your childhood? I mean, it was, I was a kid. So, you know, even though yeah. you are living in certain neighborhoods as a kid, you know, you're not doing certain things cause you just, you know, you're a kid still. So you might be seeing things, you seeing things that's going on and different activities, but at the same time, you're still a kid. So it's not like I was at private school and then coming home uh, after school and having to dodge bullets and stuff. But, you know, it was more so just watching my surroundings, watching people do things. You know, you might get in a little scuffle here and there, but the balance was just, it was normal to me because that was my, that was my development. That was what was going on. So I didn't think of it, you know, and then my household was always great. My mom did a great job of providing a stable household, keeping me in sports and a support system, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about sports. As a kid, what were the sports that you played and which ones did you kind of gravitate towards too? I know you're a football player, obviously, but were there others that you enjoyed as a kid? Yeah, believe it or not, man, baseball and basketball were my favorite sports growing up. Yeah, yeah, baseball and basketball. Um, baseball was really like my sport. Like knowing what I know now, my trajectory, if I'd assuming, you know, not trying to speak too highly of myself, but I'm pretty sure if I'd have kept playing the, you know, as far as skill set wise and all that, I would have probably I would have went further in baseball, but it's not a lot of minorities in baseball where I'm at. So, you know, that was, you know, the the diversity part of it, probably, you know, just like, yeah, I don't see a lot of people like me out here. I'm the only one like me. So it probably kind of, you know, got me away from it. Basketball, love basketball to this day, man, big Laker fan. And um, that was really, baseball and basketball were the first sports I played. So, you know, it was always in my heart. Yeah, same here. It's so interesting to me because I look back on the on the same thing, right? I loved baseball. I loved yeah. basketball. I remember shooting hoops out in the front, in the front for hours at night. It was dark it's outside. I still be shooting basketball. hoops. Hey, look, I it's know. easy to play basketball all day. My bad for cutting you off, but you can play no, basketball all day. Like football, pick up games. Up. You can go down to the rec league and and you just play with anybody, right? Yeah, yeah. Same with baseball, right? Your body doesn't take the same toll as football. And so I got to that point where I'm like, I had to make a decision and I, I should have played baseball too. I was a great baseball player. I can imagine. But I loved the flashiness of football. And so I was yeah. like, all right, I'm gonna go play football. And that's where I ended up. So, so you're coming out sixth grade, you're going to private school and then you get into middle school, high school. What, what did that look like for you? Yeah. Middle school. Hey, that's, that's interesting. You're, you're doing pretty good, Luke, but middle school is like, we're kind of, things got a little different because I'm not at the private school no more. Was at this yeah. school called Webster. And when I say, the first day at school, we pulled up to the school. My mom, I'm like, looked at her like, you want me to go here? <laughs> like, it's like a movie. You, she pulled up in the bus lane. And when I say kids that looked like they was about that life, man, they was pulled out about that life, you know? Wow. He's supposed to wear a uniform. I'm the only person in the uniform. Everybody else, baggy clothes, you know, chilling. Seventh graders. Loud. Seventh and eighth graders doing that? Oh, man, eating hot Cheetos at six in the morning. I'm like, what the <laughs> You know, so it was, it was uh, my first day, man. She was like, you want to go back to your old school? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to be here. She was like, how about this? She was like, how about this, man? You know, it's your first day. Just give it one day and we'll see how it goes. So I got out. I'm walking around just like startled, scared. I'm like, didn't know what to expect. And then I walk yeah. a little further, see somebody I know. Oh, I know them from basketball. Oh, I know them from the skating ring. Oh, I know them from the neighborhood I live, the house I lived in once. Oh, okay. This ain't so bad. So, yeah. you know, it was just, you know, something in my head. I'm like, oh, well, these kids are just like me. I'm just in uniform and I wasn't going to school with them. And by the second day, I was fully acclimated, not wearing a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Eating hot Cheetos right the next day, 6 a.m.? Eating, Eating hot Cheetos, well, noodles for me. But, yeah, a couple noodles for me for sure. But, yeah, no, that school was uh, was most definitely different, most definitely different than a private school. And when I say it was, it was, it was rough there, it was, it was rough. 
Yeah. How did that change you as a, as a middle schooler? Obviously that's a tough time for anyone anyway, right? You're, you're not a kid anymore. You're not quite an adult. You're kind of in that transitionary period going through puberty. What was that like for you? I think looking back on it, man, it was, it, it was a challenge, not even knowing yeah. it at the time, but I could have went either way because seventh yeah. grade is when I start doing different things and hanging out with different people. Um, you know, and I'm some, sometimes the same people I normally hang out with, but they're doing different things. And that influence is kind of pulling me away from what I normally do. And uh, I struggled with that for about from seventh, eighth, ninth, really until like the beginning of my 10th grade year, middle of my 10th grade year, I was at a space where, you know, I could, I, I might've not been a person. I could have went either way. I could have went left or right. So, you know, it, it was a challenge looking back on it, but you know, I mean, at the time I didn't, I didn't look at it like that. I just was living life, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, if I look at my own middle school experience, I faced similar things, right? There were a lot of kids that were doing really good things. There were kids that were not doing good things, mm -hmm. right? And there were times where I felt drawn to that in some way. There's kind of the cool kids doing risky things. Those were probably my rebellious years, right? We yes. had we were a, a school that was blue mascot. When we had Spirit Day, I would wear red and just do yeah. silly things yes. like that just to be against the grain. Yeah, I get in yeah. fights and I'd have to go be in in school suspension, right? Not the person I am now, but as I was going through that transition period, it's hard. It's hard for any kid. Yeah. Right. So for you, it sounds like it was a pivot point, right? You get to this, the stage where you're starting to see people around you change. Yeah. And you're starting to change a little bit too. You get to 10th grade and you make a choice, right? You either dive in with some of those people that maybe are negative influences or you go the other direction. What yeah. were some of those things that helped you stay positive? Was it sports? Was it family? Was it a stronger group of friends? What pulled you in the right direction? I think it was everything you just said. It was a combination of, you know, my mom, uh, being around the right people, friends, and football, literally. Um, you know, football, by that time, football, I developed a, a different kind of passion for it. And my ninth grade year, I actually played Pop Warner. I didn't even play high school football. That's how out wow. there I was. My mom was just kind of like, you ain't about to play like high school, you know, you ain't, you don't go to school like that. Like, was just, I'm like Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I remember it came, I had like a, my first semester, my GPA was horrible. I don't want to say it was probably, I'll tell you, it was like a 0 0.33. And, yeah. It was something crazy. And then I remember like my counselor was like, you're not going to be able to play sports next year. Like this is, you're not going to, it's impossible. And then you have to get a 2.0. So I just started going to the weight room starting you know some older dudes luckily took me under their wing kind of like they seen mm -hmm. something to me and it was like just going to the weight room and i remember it was a, like one of my my everyday friends from seventh eighth and ninth grade i was hanging out with the football guys and you know he was one of the other guys he was like oh bro you you hanging out with the football dudes now oh you a square now you a square now and i was like oh bro he hating on me bro like mm -hmm. i'm trying to do right all right i'm good i ain't i never i never mess with y'all again because i'm trying to do right y'all hating you know, not yeah. saying all my friends, because I had some friends like, nah, bro, don't be with us. Like, go do that. You feel me? Like, you yeah. got something, you know, that we don't got. So I remember that specific moment to this day when, when one of my uh, friends at the time was like, oh, man, you boosty for hanging out with them. So I just, that was really like my turnaround. I was like, oh, that was kind of like, oh, wiping my slate clean, you know? Yeah, no, that's huge. Because many times people get to those points and they, they choose the wrong decision. They let the peer pressure pull them back into something that they're that's not really good for them. So props no, to you for, for finding the right influence and, and yeah. sticking with, with football. So you dive in 10th grade into football. You're working with some of the upperclassmen. Tell me more about that passion and how you started down that football journey. 
Yeah, man. Um, like I said, like those older guys really took a liking to me and, and looked out for me and I was just kind of hanging out with them. And now I'm, I'm pretty much back on track. I, I have some hiccups along the road throughout mm-hmm. high school still, but for the most part, I'm going down the straight path. And even if I do veer off, I don't go too far off the road, you know, just probably yeah. my little, it's a little bump, 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 lane, you know, and a little bump, 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 lane <laughs> couple little bumps there. Yep. A little bump lane to wake you up. So I might hit some bumps, <laughs> but it'll wake me up and I get right back in my lane. Uh, played at Stag High School my sophomore year. Um, yeah. Played one game on JV, and then the coach was like, hey, you too good. We got to move you up. So I got right. bumped up to varsity, did some good Your things. sophomore year? Yeah, my sophomore year. Okay. And then, and you playing just up. offense at that time? You playing both? Nah, I started at receiver and corner. There you yeah, go. Second team all league, uh, Tri-City, tri uh, T-Cal. Second team all league, T-Cal. Um, yeah, so I played both ways, kick return, punt return, and, you know, just normal football stuff. Sure. Yeah, that's the same exact path I had, right? I, I was a freshman. I played on the freshman team. I was a pretty good freshman player. Got to my sophomore year, only sophomore that played on varsity. Nice. I also played both ways, DB and receiver. So we live the same path, my brother. Yeah. What, now, where'd you go again? I grew up in Nampa, Idaho. So I played at a smaller school, 4A. 5A is the top school. 4A is like one league drop down. Yeah. I played at Skyview. And I know Yeah, I used to hear it we, on the news. Yeah. We had a pretty good team historically. We had some rough years when I was there, but we kind of got back towards being pretty good towards the end of my senior year. So I, I mean, I loved high school football, the Friday yeah. night lights. It's just a different vibe, right? It's oh, hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So as you're playing high school football, when did you realize, you know what, I got a gift and I, this is gonna take me on past high school? I knew that from the moment I started playing my sophomore year. Like when I actually started playing high school football, I knew I was yeah. going to do that until I couldn't do it no more. Yeah. I knew that that was my calling as far as sports wise. I knew I wanted to go to college for that. And I knew I wasn't looking back after that for sure. Okay. So you, do you get recruiters coming for you throughout, you know, towards your junior, senior year? How does that look for you? Yeah, no, it's crazy. Uh, Cause I actually ended up transferring to Cesar Chavez where I'm the head coach at now. Yeah. Um, you know, I transferred there because they opened up the school. So it pretty much split the district. Stag was the original home school. They opened that up. Boundaries opened up. The neighborhood that I lived in was supposed to go to Chavez. So went to Chavez, uh, had some struggles as far as eligibility-wise, clearing me and all that kind of stuff because I was a varsity player. One here in the CIF didn't know what to do. I don't mm-hmm. it's a big, big confusion. But I played the last three games, did really well. And just off those three games of film, ironically speaking, the the staff at Idaho State was recruiting me. Mm-hmm. And a couple other schools were recruiting me, and I just didn't have the grades. So I knew I was going to junior college early. Yeah. Was it the staff that was at Idaho State that ended up being there, or was it the staff prior with Zamberlin? It was, yeah, Zamberlin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was the guy before that got fired, and you still got on through Kramer. Yeah, 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 exactly. 100%. I always think about that. I'm like, damn, that, wow. this is what I'm meant to be. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So you're having some some grade struggles, and so you end up, end up going to, to JUCO. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what was JUCO like? Did it feel like, you know what, this is this is a grind? I, I've heard some stories about JUCO. Obviously, I didn't go that route, but yes. that it's difficult. You're, you know, you're having to pay your own way. You're kind of living on your own. What was that like for you? JUCO for me was most definitely a grind. You got to want to yeah. do it. You got to want to you got to want to play football. Um like I said, I had a supporting mother, an awesome mother. So we have a junior college that I went to and coached there called Delta College. It's right in my hometown. You know, sometimes that's not the cool thing to do in some people's eyes. 
but I didn't go there right away. I went to Butte Junior College um, in Chico, big party town where Chico State. I lived right down the street from Chico State. The college was about a 15 minute drive though in like a different mm-hmm. city. So pretty much, pretty much like Idaho State to Chubbuck, yep. something like of that nature, maybe a little further out. But it was about a 15, 20 minute drive from uh, where I lived at to where the college was at. But it most definitely was an experience, man. Uh, my first year there, we won a national championship. Wow. I played with a lot of guys that went D1 and went to, you know, Jordan Rogers. Aaron Rodgers' little brother was our backup quarterback. Now I'm the starting quarterback. He was Jeez. a backup quarterback. Alex Green, Green Bay Packers, Danny Watkins, Philadelphia Eagles, Baylor University, Josh Bellamy, Louisiana, Louisville University, Chicago Bears. We had five corners from that team on that, that went D1 that year. So... Hey. You know, and I'm a 17-year-old boy who was real, you know, wet behind the ear. And, you know, at times it was real challenging because you're trying to balance finding yourself. Well, not finding yourself, yeah. but finding yourself as a player because I knew who I was sure. as a person. Finding yourself yeah. as a player. Where do I fit in it? Am I good enough? It was a lot of different things because at times I questioned myself because these are solidified guys, you know. Yeah. So it, it was a challenge, um, but I remember, you know, it was one practice I almost quit. And I was like, Mom, I can't do this. Like, she was like, what? She's like, quit. Yeah. That's not even in your vocabulary. What is you talking about? I was like, I don't know if I could do this, man. They too good. She was like, well, you're going to finish the rest of this year. You know, you're going to finish the rest of this year. We already paid for your place. Just finish this year for me. I was like, all right. And then, you know, just like anything, man, repetition, man, you know, staying to the grind. That's what I learned in that lesson. If you keep pushing forward, you will prevail. And by the end of the year, I was successful. Even though I great uh, redshirted, you know, I, I reaped all the benefits from what I came to do. Sure. No, that's crazy. You said that because I had the same exact experience at Idaho state, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out of co- coming out of high school, right? You had a lot of success, success in high school. I had a lot of success in high school. You get to college and you're not the big man on campus anymore, right? You're not the guy at all. You're at the bottom of the barrel. For me, I was a walk on, so I didn't have a scholarship. I was really a nobody. I had to reprove myself. Yeah. And that takes a big hit to your ego, right? You're like, who am I? I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I remember talking to my dad, similar how you talked to your mom and said, you know what, dad, I'm not sure if I can do this. I think I might quit. I think I'm going to walk away. And I remember him telling me, he said, you know what, as long as you don't have any regrets, I support you. And I stuck with it. That year was a grind. Obviously I was 160 pounds soaking wet, just a little bean pole at the time, but I learned so much, ended up playing quite a bit at the end of the year. And really set myself up for the sophomore year when you came into town to end up, you know, having success. So I think it's crazy how, you know, you never talk about it when you're kind of going to school with guys like yourself, you and me. We never talked about this then, but we had similar challenges as we came out into a place that was unfamiliar to us. A hundred percent, man. And that's the beauty in it all. We're just finding out now, though. (laughs) I know. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So you're at Butte and then you transfer over to Delta. Is that right? Yeah, so I was at Butte, like I said, medical, uh, registered, but the next year played, started, and I broke my fibula, tibia, and ankle joint. Jeez. Third game. What happened? Yeah, uh, called a comeback when from Jordan Rogers, put you know, put the plant step, tried to put that, that Florida shot, that dead yeah. leg on him. My foot got stuck as he was wrapping me up. My whole <laughs> twisted up. Wow. And it was, uh, yeah, it was my first break ever um, in my body, and after that, I was done, and you know, um, didn't need surgery though, but, uh, you know, with that and my mom, she was living in Sacramento at the time, her job was transferring her to LA. 
So with that and, you know, having to come back, a lot of those guys did real good. When I walked away and they were freshmen too, I'm like, man, okay, well, they did good. They gonna, I'm going to have to fight for that my spot back, which isn't a problem. And then her rent was going to be a little bit more and she was paying my rent. And I, she was just like, yeah, you know what? We can live in Hollywood. We can live in Compton. It's up to you. I, you know, if you want to go here. So I was like, I'll just go back home to Delta, you know, and mm-hmm. which ended up being the best thing for me. Um, you know, I'm glad I, I'm, I'm truly blessed and glad I went to Butte for my experience. I learned a lot. But Delta was an experience like no other as well. And I did sure, great sure. there. And, you know, we did great things. And, you know, I'm not going to say I wish I would have went there from the start, but I'm glad I ended up there. Sure. Take a step back for a second to that injury. I had a recent injury, too, where I ruptured my Achilles. That was my first real significant injury. And it took a toll on me mentally. When you had that break, was it similar for you where you thought, man, am I am I going to be able to come back from this? Or did your confidence overcome that from the from step? From step one, I, I was such in a moment where I was just like I said, I was in Chico. So even though I had yeah. a broken leg, I was I was kind of just hanging out, you know, a little hanging yeah. out a little too much. But, you know, when yeah. you're not away, when you're not at the game, you know, you you see how it feels to be a normal person. You know, you don't have to go to practice every day. You don't have to wake up for uh, AM weights. You don't have to go to class because your coach is going to do a, a class a grade check on you. So it was a good time. Not, you know, probably shouldn't have been doing some things I was doing, but, you know, I, I didn't think about it too much at all. Like, in my head, I knew I would get back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I didn't get no surgery and no doctors told me anything. Otherwise, it's all oh, just, you're going to take time to heal, but you'll be all right. So, yeah. I didn't think too much of it. Minor bump in the road, but moving back to Delta sounds like it was the right choice for your football career. Oh, yeah. No, I did great. It was amazing. So, tell me, tell me about your time at Delta right before you went to Idaho State. Delta was good, man. You know, um, it was one of those things. I know some guys kind of gave me a hard time, my teammates, because we're all Delta is the place where everybody. So how do how JC works? I don't know if you're familiar. You probably just you know you watch the dramatized version on Last Chance You, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like oh, it's, it's really well that might be their experiences, but in California they even had Delaney. It was even dramatized in its own. They really focus on the out of state kids. If you're an in state kid, it doesn't have to be that hard because the junior college system was created. Every area has a junior college in California for mm. all the kids from that area to go there. Got you it. know what I'm saying? That's what they're yeah. rated for. Now, eventually, you know, with recruiting and people want wanting to be the best and people having a good resume, you might have somebody like myself that's going to school two and a half hours away when I got to school literally five minutes from my house. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So my experience, all the Stockton guys and guys from the small cities were already there and they've been building something for the last two years. So it's kind of like, you know, at times I felt like it was like, bro, like, oh, you you too good for us. You went somewhere else. Why why you want to come back now? Yeah, yeah, I felt that. So I didn't have a coming in in the spring. I didn't have a really tight relationship with everybody, and sure. they, you know, I had to build that trust. But when it was all said and done, it was awesome. How did you build that trust? Was it through just on the field, just being great, putting in the extra effort? Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, once you're around somebody and they know your intentions are pure and I'm just here to play ball and, you know, I'm not a bad guy, I'm not a cancer, it happens yeah. organically. And like I said, I grew up with most of these dudes. So mm-hmm. it wasn't too much of an issue and where I really, you know, wanted to, like, please let me in. It was just like, I'm going to class, I'm going to practice. We just, you know, they already had their groups, though, their core. You know, it's crazy because even yeah. when I went to Idaho State, you know, everybody already had their core. You get what sure. I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's you already have a core here. You have a core here. You just kind of find yourself fit wherever you fit in it, you know? Yeah. For you, is that something, you know, as throughout your life that you've been comfortable being alone because you've had to? 
Yeah, well, I grew up with uh, an only child until I was 11 years old when my brother was born. So I was only yeah. child. And um, one thing about me, I'm a chameleon. Wherever I wherever I go, I could fit in. It don't matter sure. what what culture, what race, what if you guys are hippies or just yeah. hardcore gangsters. It don't matter. I'm wherever I'm me. So when I come somewhere, it's like they like, oh, man, they love my energy. I'm an energy person. I'm contagious. When I walk in a room. It's, oh, man, that's D-Graves, man. Like, it's just something different about me that I was ordained with. It's just, like, something in my spirit. So it don't matter where I'm at, who I'm with, I'm good. You know? I figure it out. Definitely. That's something I've always recognized from you. You bring energy to every room you walk into. Appreciate Different that. type of energy. Does that, does that make it more difficult at times to develop deeper relationships? So when you were at Delta, when you came to Idaho State, it sounds like you were kind of on the outside, but you had energy, and you'd bring that to people, but... Were you able to develop those deep relationships or friendships? No, most definitely, man. I think that one thing about me when I get to, like, when I see somebody and we're in a certain setting, you know, if I'm drawn to you, I'm drawn to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some at each of those schools, I have lifelong friends. So the, the good thing about Delta, I had dudes that I grew up with, we went to the same high school with, or we grew up in the same neighborhood with. So it wasn't too hard of a transition. Idaho State was a little bit more challenging for me, honestly. Now, I'm not saying it was like a bad thing because I'm already 20 years old, already had a kid. I was already grown when I got there, so I wasn't really looking. I came here with a purpose, you know, to get the scholarship yeah. and play ball. Sure. But, you know, it's like the, guy, the upper class and already had their crew, and the freshmen were coming in with each other. So I found myself hanging out more so with the freshmen. Yeah. And then with guys in the receiver room, if that makes sense. Sure. You know saying? Yeah. If you wasn't in the receiver room or a freshman, I wasn't messing with you at all. <laughs> at, like, at all. I'm not saying on purpose. That's just how it was, you know? Yeah, it's so interesting, man. We had very similar college experiences, and I don't think we ever realized it. I came to college. I came to college, and this was the dumbest decision I ever made, but I originally lived with my high school girlfriend at college. I didn't live in the dorms. My parents were like, you should not be doing this. You should not be doing this, Luke. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. (laughs) So I did, and sure enough, halfway through my freshman year, we split up. So I was alone in this house. Now she went somewhere else off campus, wasn't able to build friendships. And so you come in my sophomore year and I'm actually still living on my own entire sophomore year. So I would go to our meetings. I would play practice. I'd go back to my house Bro, known, man. I was all and be on my dorm. own. I yeah. spent all this money in the dorms. Goddamn Luke. Why didn't you tell me? That, that I think as I reflect, that's one thing I've always struggled with and I'm getting better at it now. Yeah. But it's being vulnerable enough to share things about yourself where you're a little yeah. bit self-conscious about it, right? Like, oh, for sure. I'm living alone. Is that is that weird? I know all these people are in the dorm. I don't want to, like, butt in where I, I don't fit in. I didn't build those friendships as a freshman. So yeah. can I insert myself now? It feels a little bit awkward. It sounds like you were doing the same thing. So, man, it's tough. It's tough to look back on it and be like, I wish I would have said something. I wish I would have been more open to oh, yeah. build stronger friendships. Part of it's being vulnerable yourself, but I just wasn't. Yeah, no, it happens, but we go through these kind of things. So you have a daughter, right? Yep. So you're going to be able to install everything that you went through. And that's how I look at life. I don't live with no regrets. Everything that I went through was for my kids and the kids that I coach and anybody that I mentor for you. That's for your little girl and anybody that you mentor is for the people that's listening to this podcast. And your experience is going to help thousands of people. Even if it helps, it helps one, your experience is going to help somebody. That's all that matters. Cause you exactly. can, handle, God knew you can handle it. You feel me? He knew yeah. you can handle it. So that's Absolutely. why you went through it. And that's why you're here. 
and you're here to share your story. So amen to that. Absolutely. That's what the whole forum is here, right? Everybody has a story to share, something unique about what they went through and what they faced that can help somebody else doing the same thing, you know? Yes, sir. Come on now. So as you reflect on the time at Idaho State, you came from Delta, you came into this program at Idaho State that was struggling, right? We had a lot of tough years. Yeah. What were the things that you as a person look back and you're like, man, I really am so proud of myself for getting through some of those times at Idaho State? Man, the, the biggest thing I was that I was happy about, I got my degree. You know, I always said I was going to get my degree, but coming from a guy who graduated from high school with like barely a 2.0, like 1.9, 2.0. Um, and I graduated with 3.0. That was a blessing. You know, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. So, you know, just changing that narrative was the best thing for me. Um, as far as other things, I was really happy I accomplished, like, you know, just playing football and getting a, earning a full-ride scholarship. Yeah. You know, that was that was the goal I set out to be. But as far as other struggles, I didn't have too many that I recall that really affected me, you know? Sure. Yeah, so at what point, you know, through your, your college career – was the goal to play in the NFL? Somewhere? Yeah, no, most definitely. That was most definitely a goal. Yeah. Knowing what I know now, um, you got to do a lot of things differently, you yeah. know. And I think I was, uh, I, I had the right mindset, but you know, if you don't know how to chase something, sometimes it can hurt you. You get what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. So, at what point did you realize, like, yeah, that's not my goal? And the reason I ask is because I feel like for me, the transition from sports into a life after sports, where all you've done is be competitive, chase this chase this passion of wanting to compete at a high level and realize that's no longer coming to fruition and having to figure out what's next. I think it's, it's very challenging for a lot of athletes. What was no, that like for you? Man, it was most definitely. Uh, so right when I got done playing at Idaho state that abrupt end. Um, yeah. And then I went to South Dakota school of mines as my, as a grad transfer. So I played one more year on the NCAA granted me another year. Yeah. Um, so after all that, I pretty much was just, chasing the grind, you know, trying to make it to the league, trying to make it to the Canada, you know, CFL, AFL, whatever it came about. I was going to the regional combines, going to tryouts, working out for scouts at Delta, um, you know, and just chasing it, you know, and I realized that you didn't, I didn't have a free agent. I knew I wasn't going to get drafted, um, but didn't get a free agent deal. And um, after that, I immediately, I said, I need to be around the game still. And, you know, my old college coach from Delta, receiver coach, Got the OC job at College of the Redlands or Redwoods, College of the Redwoods, this way up north in Northern California, wanted me to be the receiver coach and Coach Barlow at Delta, the head coach at the time, you know, they had the position open. So mm -hmm. I interviewed for both of them and luckily I got the job, well, blessed enough to get the receiver coaching job at Delta and that kind of started my coaching career. I thought it was going to be a one year thing. And, you know, because I was going to do this and go play football again. And right. Did get, I did get picked up after the season um, by a couple of teams. And, you know, I just abruptly just stopped playing. Like, I don't want to play no more. I don't, I don't feel like doing this no more. So. You just got burned out? Yeah, man. So, I was with the – during that, also, I was with the L.A. Kiss on their practice squad. It was an AFL team. Yeah. Yep. And then I got picked up by an indoor football team, um, the Colorado Ice. Had had a really good practice one day. And, um I caught like I think I caught three touchdowns, right? And my boy Roundtree, he played he played at University of Michigan. Roy Roundtree was a great receiver for him. He caught that game winning touchdown versus Notre Dame a couple years back, number twelve. Yep. He kind of got a similar build, body type, whatever. I had three touchdowns in the first practice. The coach was like, "Hey, Roundtree, great job today. You in on those touchdowns in that corner route?" And he was like, "Oh, that was great." He was like, 
oh, hey, good job. I'm like, oh, what the heck? I'm like, I just, uh, then, you know, and I, I kind of kept telling my roommate, this dude named uh, Julian, he's still in contact. I was like, bro, they about to cut me, bro. Like, I just bought and they don't, they didn't even care. I, I think they brought me in for a camp body. So, yeah. you know, I got cut by them, got picked up by uh, the Billings Wolves, and I had a great practice, right? I was out there for, I was at, went back home to my mom's for two weeks in LA, went to Billings, had a great practice. And I told whoever my roommate, some black dude from Florida, D Lyman, I was at one practice. I killed it. Like probably the best practice I ever had in adulthood. I was like, hey, bro, I'm done playing. He was like, what? He was like, man, you balling, man. We got a game on, on, on Friday, Saturday. We got a game. I was like, bro, I'm done. Like it ain't for me no more. So yeah. my end wasn't so much like, you know, I chose, I walked out on my own two feet. So that, I could say yeah. I was happy about that. And then uh, went to Vegas and had a good time that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what was, what were some of the things that you're like, you know what? I feel like now I want to shift my focus. I've done everything I can from a football perspective. I want to start spending time, family again, make family kind of top of mind for you. Yeah. Spend time with your, your kids that you're starting to have now in your, your later twenties. When did that shift for you? And what were the things that pulled you? Pulled Literally, you in I don't know what happened. I was at that practice. And, you know, after that practice, I was, I don't know if I was, I don't want to say no, it wasn't, I think it was just me being in an apartment with no TV, just sitting there like, bro, what am I doing? Like my son is three years old. You know, I've been chasing this for a while. I felt like I gave the game my all. Right. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was time to wrap it up. You know, things things happen. I I gave him all. I was blessed enough to play from the age of seven to 24. And another thing that really helped with that was I just got done coaching at Delta. So while I was chasing, I was still coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really fulfilled me. And I actually enjoy I'm like, damn, I get the same adrenaline and the same feeling from coaching by helping people. Like I helped yeah. we this dude couldn't do this right and we worked on this for the last two weeks and he just had success in it. I'm like, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just that feeling of coaching and be able to help people. I've always wanted to help people. So I think I was that was kind of like, you know, God was kind of aligning me for the the walkout, you know? Yeah, that's huge, man. You, if I look at my own path, right, I decided to walk away after college. I didn't, I didn't go and do the tryouts like you did. So you left it all on the table. Yeah. And then you said, you know what? My purpose is to continue to give that to other people. Often I think people, as they walk away from something, whether it's sports or something else, they struggle in finding that, that next step, that purpose of, of where they're supposed to be. And it sounds like that was that was placed right in your lap and it, it felt pretty easy. As you came into coaching, what were some of the things that you felt differentiated you as a coach versus others that are coaching today? That's a good question, man. One thing, even when I didn't like, it was never growing up, I never said, I want to be a coach. I want to be a coach. Mm-hmm. My whole thing was, I just wanted to help people. And I didn't know what form that was going to come in. You know, you know, sometimes I wanted to say, hey, I want to be a cop or fireman. You know, but for, for some reason, I always respected my coaches, always took a liking to all my coaches, and I always studied my coaches. Without even me even realizing, that's a crazy, like, I always, like, one of our coaches would do something, I'm just studying them. Um, yeah. I study people in general, like, literally, I'm a sociology major, so, um, but I just always study my surroundings, always study people. I think growing up in Stockton, you got to be aware of what's going on when you go to certain sure environments you have to be but for for coaching i always study them and like man if i ever coach i'm never going to do that or i use that one so i think one thing about me is you know my mom like i said earlier my mom installed a confidence in me to always be myself 
mm-hmm. you know. So I always wanted to be myself and, and just do right when I became a coach, you know. Absolutely. There's this quote about being a coach, and it says, a good coach can change a game. A great coach can change a life. Mm. And I, I, I think about that all the time, right? I was fortunate enough to have really great coaches mm-hmm. that not only instilled me to be a great player, but instilled me to be a good person outside of athletics. And there were coaches that I had along the way that weren't that way. And I know not everyone's experience is with positivity around coaching. Yeah. So as you work with these young men in high school in very transformative years, how have you seen some of your coaching impact them, whether it's their mental health, whether it's their confidence? What are the things you look on and you're like, yeah, I did that and I'm proud of, of that work? You know, in the moment, you know, especially I was a young coach, you know, you just mm-hmm. you just work hard for the kids. You know, sometimes I don't even know what I was doing as far as, you know, uh, just being a young dude and trying to help them. And so when I say I don't know what I was doing, it's like, yo, like, am I, how am I supposed to go about this situation? Hey, coach, man. You know, my, so my girl and this, I'm like, damn, like we, we have football practice. Why are we talking about this? Like, yeah. you know, I never, I never made football too, like growing up, I just made, never brought my personal life to football. That was just me though. So now yeah. I'm trying to find that balance of how do I balance football and real life and all this. And I just would say that I always wanted to just help them and, and, and just make sure I give them the best version of myself. So trying to get back to the question, um, the main thing is really just, being authentic to yourself and when you're giving them advice, just helping them find themselves at the same time, you know, and even yeah. in the moment, I might not know what I'm, what I'm saying or what I'm doing, but I'll, if I'm doing a good job, that's what I would say. I don't know if I'm doing a good job, but the thing that really helps me, I'll get a text message or a call or an Instagram message like, coach, man, you, you changed my life, man. Thank you for this, this, this. I'm like, damn, I did that. Yeah, coach, I remember you said this, this, and this, and this. You know, and my whole thing is just being 100% organic and pouring into the kids, you know? Yeah. Giving them all. That authenticity is key, right? Just being yourself. And even if you make mistakes, right? Even if you make failures, whether it's in coaching or life, accepting those and and being open to the kids to say, you know what? I made a mistake or this is who I am makes them feel like they can do the same thing, right? So they can be authentic. They can get over some of the hurdles they're facing because they see you doing it too. Mm-hmm. No, most definitely, man. And I'll, I'm always try. I always try to be organic and authentic with my experiences. So yeah. you know, just give them that real me. Give them that real and lead by example. And also, you know, if I don't have the answer, you know, not saying, not being ashamed to say I don't know. I don't know how to help you in this, but I can find out. Let me ask them yep. and getting back to them. You know. Yeah, being a guy that can go out and be the be the answer for them. So you start to get into coaching and you make your way to become the head coach at, at Kimball High School. How did yes. that happen? Man, honestly, it, it chose me. Um, they had a coaching change and somebody reached out to me and said, we really think you should apply. And they hit me on the Super Bowl when uh, Snoop was doing the Crip Walk. Wow. It was, yeah. I was, you know, I was relaxing. I just got done, from, you know, me and my family and, and friends left a nice Airbnb in the mountains and, I come back and I get this long message, you know, I'm like, bro, why are you hitting me with this right now? You know, like, whoa. I never had aspirations being a head coach, just yeah. out there. Like, I just wanted to, I was good with doing my position and, um, you know, kind of, but there was, they, I guess they seen something to me that I didn't see in myself and, you know, uh, reached out. I did the interview, had some meetings and it kind of just chose me, I would say, you know, so I'm glad that person seen 
something to me that I didn't see in myself. Going from being a, an assistant coach, position coach, to being a head coach is quite a leap, right? A lot of different things you have to manage. Were you able to lean on any mentors or people that you've had from previous coaching experiences to help you through that? No, most definitely, man. I had a lot of conversations um, yeah. with old co previous coaches. Coach Gary Hyman, um, he was my receiver coach at South Dakota School of Mines. Coach Barlow was a head coach at Delta. Um, just Coach Murray was the defensive coordinator when I was at Delta. Guys that I look up to, look up to, and that were mentors in my life, and just kind of ask, you know, being able to lean and give them a call and sit down with them whenever I had a question or concern. Um, yeah. Another thing is having a, a great staff. You know, the staff that I wasn't able to hire my staff. Uh, they came with the job, and I was fortunate enough for that. You yeah. know, it's a great group of men on that staff. Uh, Coach Adrian Ramos, Coach uh, Sowers, um, you know, uh, Shannon Sowers. And uh, those guys really helped balance me and, and it helped me through that first year, you know, tremendously. So coming in as a head coach, what were some of the philosophies that you brought in to have the success you did, right? Kimball had a lot of success under you. Yes, sir. You made it to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. What were some of the things that you brought to the table that helped them get to that level? Most definitely, man. Just trying to teach them that it's bigger than football. You know, whatever you do in life, how you do anything is how you do everything. So um, main thing is, you know, trying to bond those kids. You know, we did a lot of team bonding early on. We did a lot of different activities just to bring them together and break bread. Because, you know, as you've seen, if you're a separated team and you really don't know each other like that, it's just like, oh, we're just here playing football. You don't care if that dude get cracked in the mouth. You don't care mm -hmm. if that person get killed in, in the game. And so oh, I did my job. No, we all, we got to do our job, but we got to make sure I'm doing it more than just me. I'm doing it for my brother. You get what I'm saying? So team bonding was a big thing and just installing, you know, that, that hard work. And it sounds cliche because everybody is it, but hard work, dedication, always willing to improve. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be the best players every day on every day, but if we thrive and, and try our hardest and give ever effort on and off the field, it's going to align when we get into the game, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So we always preach effort, 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 effort. That's the main thing. Yep. I love it. So you have success at Kimball. You get a call, you get a text. Someone reaches out. We want you back at Cesar Chavez high school, your alma mater, where you finished up your career in high school. What was that like for you? Honestly, man. Um, you know, I was good at Kimball, you know, I was yeah. good there. I worked on campus. Uh, it was, it was it was simple. I didn't have to. We just went to the playoffs back to back years, and yep. we're building. But you know, I got that call and that text, and I knew the job was open. And uh, what I can say is, it, it's not a sexy job on paper. You know, you, you go from being a game away from the section championship, and you know, uh, you know, two games away the following year, and you know, you could be in playoff contention the following year. Um, to hear a school that you went to. It's intriguing, but they were 0-10, mm -hmm. you know. But what I can say is that I was being led by the spirit. I felt like it kept tugging at me, like, why not Chavez? I'm good at Campbell. I don't need to go. And it's, why not Chavez? They need you. Yeah. They need you. You know, so I just kept on, you know, in the back of my head. And um, I'm I'm really glad I took it, man. Um, so, you know, calls were made and you know, I applied. And uh, it was the best thing, the best thing for sure. Yeah. Oh, and 10. So you've got yourself a, you got yourself a job ahead. Yeah, no, for sure. But you know, what I can say is just in my short time, we just started lifting weights last week. These kids want to be coached. Mm -hmm. I don't think they were, you know, the, they're 0 and 10, but when you watch film on film, the talent is an 0 and 10. 
You know, I think when you have bad leadership, um, which was in the previous regime, horrible leadership from what I hear and what I see, it, it's kids, you know, the kids, you know, if the kids, if kids in need adults, we wouldn't have coaches growing at the NFL, NFL are the best players in the world. They need a coach. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So these kids that I'm here with right now are great kids. They want to be coached. They want to learn. They, they want it. So, you know, and I can say that with all confidence in the world, you know, these last three days in the weight room have, have been amazing. I've been proud to go to the weight room. I've been energized to go to the weight room and, you know, we don't have the most numbers right now, but the core group we do got other guys are playing other sports and some guys probably are just hanging out. I'm excited. I got that. I'm rejuvenated, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not going to be easy. It's a challenge ahead of you. Right. And no, for sure. You've got, you've got the conviction to say, you know what? I know it's going to be a challenge, but mm-hmm. I'm willing. And God's purpose is for me to be here right now. Come on, stop playing. Yeah. That's amazing, man. So as you come into this new program, what are the things you want to instill in these young men? Right. Obviously you're starting the weight room. What else are you going to be doing to help get them and others in the community into the program to build something great? Well, just making them believe and see the vision, man. So right now, my first meeting, got this little paper right here. You know, this it was my first notes. I keep it right here. Just look at it. It's right here. So our, my whole saying is me and my brother came up with it. My brother, uh, Coach Nelson, Demario Nelson, um, you know, he's my assistant head. But we came up with a saying called lifers, right? Mm-hmm. Little things is the L, right? I, intensity. F, family. E, education. R, response. S, success, right? If we focus on the little things, we're intense on and off the field, in the weight room, right? And we make it a family environment and we focus on education. Education is the biggest thing, right? Without education, you can't do anything. And response, how are we gonna respond when something goes good or bad? Because it's not what you do, it's how you do it. When you get hit in the mouth, are you gonna you gonna stay there or are you gonna respond back, you know, accordingly? You get what I'm saying? And success. You know, we're not always gonna have the success that we want, but you know, our response is gonna help us with that success. And when we are successful, um, we're going to see how that feels. So my biggest thing right now is lifers. That's what I made the page say, and that's what our motto is. And that's going to be the motto of the next, you know, 20 years of this program, black and gold. We're lifers, we're Titans for life. And, 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 you know, when we say that we're all in, so, you know, just bringing the community back. It's a great location. Um, it takes uh, a bulk of North Stockton, um, as far as, uh, you know, boundaries, Mm-hmm. So, you know, just getting the community excited again, man. You know, this is, I graduated, I was the first graduating uh, class from Chavez, met my wife at Chavez, played wow. football at Chavez. So it's really in me, you know, yeah, I know I was away from a few years, but you know, when, when I announced I got the job, my brother announced it, you know, posted on his story and all that to IG, the, the community rally, they were excited. It was, it, it was like the talk of the town. You know, just because of who we are and, you know, what we do in the community and to go back to our alma mater, um, it was a big deal for a lot of people. You know, we went on campus, man. Teachers are crying. You guys came back. You guys came back for us. I'm like, yeah, we back. And I was like, so it was really deeper than what I ever anticipated. I went back because I felt like it was my calling and, and, you know, I was getting, getting led that way, but it, it was way bigger than I could imagine, man. And these kids really need a positive role model, you know? Yeah. It's just the beginning, my friend. Yes, sir. Little things. I want you to talk to me about what that means for you, because I think often that is overlooked as something that's important. No, most definitely, man. I was a guy, I had to do the little things right. Right. I wasn't the tallest, wasn't the biggest, 
wasn't the strongest, for sure wasn't the fastest, <laughs> for sure wasn't the fastest, but little things like going to bed early, right? Going to bed, putting the right things in my body, not drinking, not smoking. I think by me doing the little things, I was able to get to where I got to, you know, and yeah. continuing to this day, you know, instead of going out, I'm going to spend time with my family tonight. You get what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. Instead of, instead of uh, going over here, I'm gonna, instead of using this time to be on my phone, I'm like, man, even though I'm tired, have a long day, let me just go across the street and play catch with my kid. Let me just play catch right here because I'm so worn. I'm going to play catch with my kid right here. So those mm-hmm. little things and just, you know, sitting at the, the biggest little thing I do in my household as a family. I know I'm all over the place, Luke, but I'm excited. I love the it. big little thing that I do is every night we sit as a family at the dinner table. Growing up, I never sat at the dinner table. Wow. My mom made the food. I went in my room. She went in her room. Wow. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's not saying we were like, you know, just, but that's, wasn't a, that wasn't a big deal to us, but little things by us sitting at the table together and breaking bread goes a long way. Yeah, How was your day? You know, at the table, we're, we're sitting together. We're ending the day like this. How was your day? How's everything? You learn a lot about your kids right there and your wife. And, and, you know, they learn a lot about me. It's the little things that count, you know? So I'm all thinking little things with them. You know, if I say, Hey, don't, Hey, feed off the line. Right. So some people, it's not a big deal. It's just a line, but what's going to happen in the game when, Referee says, "Hey, I'm gonna give you a warning. If you say that, if you say a cuss word one more time, we'll kick you out." If that, oh, little things. Watch out. To you, it's not a big deal, but to the world, it is. Now you're kicked out the game. Your brother got your brother's got to suffer because you're one of our best players, and you're not in. Little things, mm-hmm. you know. Yep, it's so key. I, I think if you look at some of the best coaches that have ever done it, right? We have Nick Saban, little things, right? Yeah. Bill Belichick, little things. Two of the best coaches that have ever done it. And if you're coming from the angle of Caesar Chavez High School, a program that's 0-10, you're not going to have success overnight because you just don't have the amount of people. You don't have the, the same maybe athleticism that's kind of a, a full collective unit like other schools do, right? And mm-hmm. so you have to find other ways to win. And to do that, little things are that first step to do so, right? Both of us experienced similar things throughout our athletic careers, right, where we weren't necessarily the fastest or the biggest or the best players, but we put in the work. We, we did the extra sprints. We did the extra reps on, on the workouts, right? And just doing yeah. those little things, running the routes a little bit more crisp to set yourself apart from maybe the other person who's being sloppy. Those yeah. things are so important and can have great impact on the success. So really excited about what you're going on here. It's, it's, it's so cool to see your coaching journey evolve and you being able to find your purpose and go back to your high school. It's amazing, man. No, most definitely, man. I want to ask you something. Is this okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I said it before on my story, but I just want to know how you felt in that moment. Um, when you got your scholarship, man, I said my my best moment at Idaho State was when the walk-on hard worker, Luke Austin, got a scholarship, a full-ride scholarship. We were in the meeting room, yeah. and Coach Tecker walks in. Hey, look, go see uh, Bailey. And uh, you were like, uh, okay, everything good? Uh, yeah, you just got a full ride scholarship. The whole room, you know, <laughs> just, just, ah, just was so excited, man. How did you feel in that moment? Dude, I honestly, it's one of those things where I like almost blacked out because I was like, it finally came to fruition. It was one of those things where my freshman year I come in and I was a preferred walk on. Right. And they said, you know what? You've played this year. I, I started the last five games of my freshman year because there were some injuries. I played pretty well. Like, we're going to give you a scholarship. They get fired. No scholarship. I'm like, oh, I'm back at square one. Yeah. 
I come in, I play all spring. There's nobody on the team, right? Everybody leaves because yeah. the coaches quit and I play every rep of spring. Kramer comes in, he's like, we're gonna give you a scholarship. No scholarship. I start my sophomore year. I come into the initial, um, into that initial meeting room. Like we're all meeting each other for the first time. It's, it's, it's fall ball, bottom of the depth chart, right? And so all of these things in my mind, it kept saying, you're gonna keep getting knocked down. You're gonna keep being counted out. And so when I finally got the scholarship, it was like, man, I had so many other moments where I thought I was going to get the scholarship. Yeah. And so it was very exciting for me, but I also, it was a huge sigh of relief because I'd put so much effort and so much emotional up and down for me yeah. that it finally came to fruition and, you know, it was just icing on the cake. So big, yeah. big journey for me to, to get there, but it was, I used once to I be got a like, I'm like, why isn't he starting? <laughs> he could play. Yeah. And then that next year you ended up starting though. So. Yeah. I don't know, man, that, that year when we had coach Tucker, that changed me f forever. Right. He was such oh, a great coach. The little things, the little route, the little hit movements. Tuck was crazy. Yeah. He taught me so much. Hey, do you remember he used to have us, uh, <laughs> rolling in snow at four in the morning? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh man. It was rough. It was cool. Running hills, not... running hills because Kai Campbell couldn't do his thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rod, Rod would show up late. Rod would show up late and Rod oh, hey, had to do the I, Jacob oh, I, didn't to, I didn't go to study hall one time and I made the whole group, you know, but you know, yeah. it's all a part of the journey. All part of the journey, man. Yeah. Great days, great times. It was, it was awesome. So for sure. All right, man. We've talked a lot about football, but I want to talk a little bit about your family, right? You have two beautiful sons. You have a beautiful wife. Tell me about them. Man, they're amazing, man. Um, I don't know if you you remember baby Derek when like that I, I used yeah. to bring him around a little bit. He came bit. up to Idaho State a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they ended up moving out there my senior year, but literally, man, my my wife and my kids saved my life, man. And, and you know, I was already on the right path, but it, they just keep me grounded. They keep me on a, a narrow path. They keep me. They remind me every day when I see them, you know, of yeah. who I want to be and who I thrive to be and continue to be. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. I love my family dearly, man. And, you know, they, they really keep me grounded and they keep me aligned for sure. Yeah. So obviously you had a different relationship with your dad growing up. For you as a father, right, what are the things that you want to ensure that you do and, and help your sons learn? Man, just how to be a, a great young great young man, a great person. My biggest thing is be a great person. You know, treat everybody with respect. Be kind to others. Help people when they're in need. And, and just don't be a butthole, man. You know, um, somebody always has it worse than you, and you need to be humbled and appreciative of everything that you're blessed with. Every All the ability that God has gave you, that God has gave you two awesome parents. A lot of people, might include myself, didn't grow up in a two-parent household. Um, mm -hmm. Don't take that for granted. You know, a lot of your friends might not have two-parent households. So um, just being a great person, man. I think sometimes we make it harder than what it is. If you're a great person and you just focus on uh, the little things, if just being kind to people and helping people, yeah. You know, that energy is going to come back and God's going to bless you for sure. Yeah. So that's my biggest thing is just have them be kind to others and be good people. Sure. Your oldest, Derek, how, how old is he now? 12, about to be 13, man. Oh, wow. How's so that? You got a teenager, my friend. Oh, man. My, my little dude growing up on me, man. It was cool. Yeah. Um, it's good that he's growing up older, but, you know, we grew up together. You know, I had yeah. him when I was a baby. I was 20 years old and. You know, um, you know, but some of my greatest moments came because of that little dude. You know, my I remember my first touchdown at at Delta. I dropped my first uh, I dropped my first pass at Delta, 
And then the coach is looking at me crazy. And then it was like a movie. I look at Vanessa. She's pregnant at the time. I'm like, man, I got to do it for my son. Next play, scored a touchdown. Um, in my first touchdown, Idaho State, uh, my wife, my son, and my mom all came down. I had the broken finger from the NAU game. And it's like, my, my, man, my son here, I got to play. Like, he was just the reason why I played that game because I wasn't supposed <laughs> to play because I they said I needed surgery. I just taped it up and caught a one-handed touchdown versus Portland State. So, you know, just my, my family is my why, man, truly, um, you know, un, just everything about them, man. I love them so much. Derek and Dash is my world. My wife is my backbone, and I appreciate them. That's awesome, man. So for kids, kids these days, he's he's almost 13, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. What's 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 that look like for them? Because we grew up in a very different era, right? And so, what are some of the struggles that he's facing, and how are you helping overcome some of those? You know, um, struggles. His biggest struggle is like, uh, man, I want this color dry fit uh, Nike Tech outfit. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, or oh man, I need a haircut. Like, I need a yeah. haircut, Dad. That's this. You know, or hey man, can you order my True Height vitamins from Amazon? <laughs> He's been saying his struggle is stuff like that. You know. He yeah. doesn't know much of a struggle, and I think yeah. that me and my wife do a great job of supporting both our kids, and kind of like my mom did for me. That you know, and I just think we're just taking it to another level. If whether when there is a struggle, it's just a feeling. Move on from yeah. it. You know, yeah, you know, his sports career, his young sports career. You might not start this game. You might not play this much here. But what are you gonna do about it? You gonna complain or you gonna work? Yeah. Okay. You know, no matter what's going on, you have the power to turn that around. So we really do that. Like, he knows he could do anything. And any time when he doesn't do something, he knows that because he ain't putting in the work or he ain't doing it. But I think the biggest struggle is homework, too. God damn. <laughs> his homework be killing us, you know. Just yeah. His school is a like a, a, a higher academic school. But, uh, you know, he takes his academic serious. And uh, he has a 3.0, 3.4 last semester. So he, he works really hard, and I'm proud of him. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm curious on your parenting philosophy around – helping your kids make sure that they don't, they stick with something, right? Sticking with sports and being part of a team, but also letting them have some of their own decision-making, right? Whether they want to do something creative, whether they want to be in, in music or do something that's maybe outside of something you've done in the past. For me as a parent, sometimes I struggle with that, right? I want my daughter to play soccer and play sports and be athletic, but then she wants to be super artistic and she's great at it. And so I have to let go a little bit and let her do her own thing. How do you feel about that from your parenting philosophy perspective? I just think that, you know, as long as it's something that's positive and intrigues them, you know, of course we want them to do what we want them to do. And yeah. we need to do that because you're still a kid at the end of the day, but we got to find that balance. So mm -hmm. we got to meet each other halfway. Like, you know, I haven't really came in that situation where my son wanted to play piano or, you know, go be in a band or whatever the case is. But if that day does come, I'm ready for it. If that's what you want to do, you know, let's, let's, let me buy you one. Let's get you a lesson. Let's see if you like it. And just uh, attacking it, you know, if they feel like that's what they're meant to do, we'll go all in on it, you know? So, yeah. you know, I'm the dad that, oh, dad, I'm, I'm you know, we're in baseball, we're in baseball, blah, 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 blah. I want to, um, you know, I need to hit off the team more. I'm the dad that buys the team, buys the net. Okay, yeah. cool. Set it up. Um, and then, you know, I'm the dad that comes home with a $400 bat. And my wife was like, why would you do? Man, he needs the bat. He needs the bat, babe. You only get one chance. You only get one chance with your kids, right? $400, babe. You could, he has a perfect bat. Babe, but it's highlighted. It's a highlighter bat. You know, it's, why not? You know? Yeah. So, you know, whatever, I think I'm going to encourage any parent, if their kids um, want to do something, you know, let them dibble and dabble with it. You know, they might not even end up doing it, but it might end up 
being something that changes the world and changing the, changes their life. So I would say give any kid opportunity, you know, but always keep the main thing the main thing. You know, the main thing right now for us is is football and baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to try something else? We could try it, but that's the main thing for now until we find out, you know, what you really want to do. Yeah. What's next for you? You've got a big roll ahead of you, right? You got to build, rebuild this program. Mm-hmm. You've got a beautiful family. Are there other things you're working on? Other things that are priorities for you right now? Man, no, nah, man. Just, uh, I'm just being me. If that makes sense. You know, uh, I, I, I've come to the age where I'm 33, going to be 34 this year. And, you know, life is short. I'm just trying to spread love, positivity, help people, help young people, help adults. And just, you know, um, improve my family while doing so, you know, keeping us all in core positive values in them um, and just being an example for the community. You know, it's not a lot of people in my community that that uh, look like me, that have my circumstances, meaning yeah. like, it's not a lot of, um, you know, men that, you know, marry, they, you know, the mother of their kids all the time. So um, and just be a positive example, helping people in less fortunate situations. So, you know, I know I'm a pillar in my community. I know I'm an example in my community, and I don't wear that lightly. So what's next for me is just continuing and um, improving myself as an individual, continuing to help people. Mm-hmm. And um, really, that's it, man. Just take everybody who's in my circle around the greatness and while I'm taking myself there. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'm dealing with, you're not dealing, but I'm dibbling and dabbling with a little more content stuff online, just messing around, you know, and, you know, just because, uh, you know, I think it can help people, you know. It's fun. Uh, yeah, it's fun. You know, it was one of those things that I always was kind of like trying to stay away from, but I wanted to challenge myself to get out there a little more this year, you know? Yeah. Um, and just, you know, show the people me. Cause I think, you know, for so long, I just gave you a still shot and you know, because you were, you know, we spent a lot of time in the same rooms and, you know, some parties together. I don't say, you know, I, I have a loud personality yeah. and I think I'm really comfortable enough to share that with people. You get what I'm saying? I'm comfortable Absolutely. enough. You know, if you're with me, if you're somewhere, I'm not going to hide it, but, I feel like I've come to a place where I know how to put that online where at the same time, you know, you're, you're still going to have respect for me and you still know who I am as a, as a man, you know? Um, so that's my biggest thing is just being myself, enjoying life and taking care of uh, my loved ones. It's authenticity through and through, man. I mean, I see you on social media with your team in the locker room dancing after the game. Like that was you 10 years ago. That is you yeah. now, right? That will always be you. Yeah. And I love that. Most well, definitely, man. And, yeah. and I, like I said, man, shout out to Lori, Lori Ann, my mom. You know, she she installed that in me from a young age. Just be you, you yeah. know, be you, and you know, just um, you know, don't you really don't care what people think, you know. But I do care what people think, um, not to the degree like, oh, I don't want to do this because they're gonna probably laugh at me. I don't care about that, but I do care about how these kids see me in the community. I do care mm-hmm. about being a good example for them, um, my kids and other kids and and other, you know, and other adults and peers, et cetera. You feel me? So um, I don't wear that lightly, like I said before. But, yeah, man, like you said, I just, that's always been me, man, just being me, you know, being energetic, being, you know, having fun and living life. But at the same time, it's the time to be serious and it's the time to not play, you know, and that balance, you know. So even though, I mean, you maybe you might have a different view of me, but I always felt like I was always one of the hardest workers on any team I was on. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, even though I'm energetic, like we ain't playing, we ain't playing. You feel me? Yeah. No, you were a great hard worker. You were a great player. You were one of the best on the team. Yeah, you were good, man. I was like, man, you got some good hands. Your hands were better than mine. I had a few more drops than you. I was like, shit. Oh, yeah, man. When when you're diving 30 feet to catch a, you know, a diving ball, you know, you're going to drop some of those. 
you laying it out there, Luke, you know, you, yeah. oh, that effort, you know, you're not going to That's how you, that's how you separate yourself, right? That yeah, effort that others wouldn't. Yes. Luke yes. did the little things. Luke would die for that ball, man. He would go all out, man. I'm telling you, yes. you know, so no, nah, man, um, you know, just continuing to be myself and improve myself every day, you know, so yeah. that, that's the main thing. Reading more books, trying to go to bed earlier, um, you know, trying to keep a regimen, a workout regimen where I'm consistent and spending that quality time with my family as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. I got a few rapid fire questions for you. I want to shift over to those real quick. Yeah, let's get it because I only got like 15% battery, but we good. All right, let's go. Let's go. All right. You're the one athlete that you look up to most across all sports and why? Pros, not pros, whatever. Whatever. LeBron James. influence on you? LeBron James, why? LeBron James, uh, just because he had, he wore so much from such a young age and what he does off the court um, as far as entrepreneurship and helping people. Um, it's really inspiring. For the record, LeBron James is my favorite player as well. So, <laughs> I try to watch every game. That dude still can ball. It's crazy. You're a Laker fan, right? I was never a Laker fan until LeBron was there. So it works. It now works. I'm a Laker fan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Your favorite snack? Damn. You said something about hot Cheeto noodles. What was that? No, no, that was back in the day. Like I've yeah. evolved. So. Back in the day, it was probably like the little some sour candies, um, yeah. you know, all throughout college, high school, college, until about five years ago, maracha noodles, beef flavored. Um, and as of recently, I would say my favorite snack right now is uh, it's a drink actually. It's a peach mango Celsius. There it is. There it is. Yeah. All right, next one here is what is your favorite wellness practice? So working out, meditating, reading. What is something that you do around wellness? I would say waking up early and just going to the gym and listening to an audio book or some, a positive, uh, one of those motivation, random motivational YouTube videos where I'm working out. I would think that was it, you know, as far as, you know, just, I could really just get in that mode and start the day off. I would say starting the morning off with a good audio book or motivational, um, you know, one of those random, you know, disciplined motivational video, just type it in and clicking on it. And, uh, you know, just doing that, that would probably be my best wellness tips or what I like to enjoy. I love it. What's an audio book or book that you recommend to everyone to read? Man, okay, I got a few. The Way Let's of the Superior it. Man. The Way of the Superior Man. I think every man should read that, period, point blank. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody that thrives, that's in a relationship or really wants to be in a relationship, should read The Five Love Languages. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a change my life, change my relationship, change my perspective. Uh, the Energy Bus, I don't know who it's by, but that's a great book as well. The Energy Bus. Um, and I'm right now I'm listening to Atomic Habits audio book. Um, I'm on chapter like 14, and that's just, it's teaching me a lot. So I would say those four books right there. Those four are amazing. Love it. Top song on your Spotify or Apple Music playlist? Anything Drake, anything Drake, anything Drake. Still rocking with Jake's new or his new stuff. Uh, yeah, you know certain songs, you know. um, Yeah. And but I've been on like you know Drake is still my go-to artist. Um, for you know his older stuff, of course. Sometimes his newer stuff, but when I'm not, and I've been really on my, you know, my old school vibe, my Sade, um, you know, uh, just any kind of old school mix I can really get my hands on too. Yeah, 
Summer that. Madness. That's like my, my theme song of my life. And then Everybody Loves the Sunshine by Rural Harris. <laughs> that's those, those guys. I can see you dancing it to it right now. <laughs> that's my jams. Yeah, for sure. All right, next, your view on men's mental health in today's society. Man, it was one of those things growing up in a minority community um, when you're a kid, right? We don't take it. Like, if you, if you like, oh, like something going on with my head when you were young, we used to be like, man, you crazy. You know, kind of like, you know, sh- shun it off or, you know, make fun of people that would say they were crazy or whatever. Like, man, you know, he crazy, man, he take pills. But it's not a joke. Um, I think the older we get, the more we go through, um, you know, we need to find that balance. Men's mm-hmm. mental health is very serious. You know, I think we, we wear a lot. We try to, uh, you know, hide a lot and, um, you know, we wear a lot of hats, you know, and sometimes I think it's, you know, it's, it's hard balancing being a masculine figure and being, you know, every, who everybody looks to for guidance and advice and, advice, mm-hmm. and you know, everybody putting their, you know, energies on you and wearing those correctly. And, you know, and we find a way to walk out and on top for the most part, but I think everybody needs a wellness check and somebody they can reach out to. I'm just blessed enough. I got friends that whenever I feel like anything, I could just, um, Hey bro, that's what I'm feeling. Like, what you think about this? Or, Hey, you know, just, just talk to people, you know, I'm blessed enough to be that friend for a lot of people as well. So I think that everybody you know, should take their mental health very seriously, especially men, especially anybody. But men, that was a question. So um, take it seriously, man. If you feel like you need to talk to somebody, cool. If you feel like you need to get professional help, do that and and do it. Don't don't be embarrassed of it at all. Yeah, the one thing I would say too for men supporting other men specifically is if somebody reaches out to you, take it seriously because you never know when you're going to be in their shoes, right? Don't dismiss it. Don't make them feel bad for for going through something like that. I think, like you said, it's always been, oh, we got to be tough. If someone else is being weak, let's, let's call them out. But it's the wrong mindset, right? Let's support each other because we're really all we got. Yes, sir. For sure. hundred percent. Last one here. If you had any superpower, what would it be? Read minds. Yeah. Why? I just feel like, you know, thoughts and actions that come behind those thoughts. Um, you could advance yourself very fast if you knew what people were thinking and how they were thinking and how to get ahead um, with certain situations. Oh, so, you know, um, you know, back in the day, I would have said speed. I was talking about super speed. That, that would be helpful too. But I just think if you had, you know, just that's, I like challenging myself. That's why I read books. That's why I want to learn about people, learn about individuals and challenge myself. But the closer you can get to people's minds um, will benefit you in many different ways. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you being open and honest with, with me today. It was great chatting with you. Any final thoughts for, for the people listening today? Nah, man. Um, just be you, be great, be amazing. Uh, whatever you want to do in life, go out and get it. it. It sounds cliche at times, but really just put it all out there, you know, because at the end of the day, you got one life to live and, you know, thrive and try and go accomplish whatever you set yourself out to, you know, see or do. Just do it yeah. like Nike. And, you know, I'm a Nike guy, um, but I really mean that. I think that's the best thing in the world. Just do it. You know, yeah. you might not, you might be afraid, afraid. You might, you know, have thoughts in your head that say, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Why are they going to think this? But just do it. Be you. Be great. Be amazing. Just like you with this podcast. I'm pretty sure you're just like, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And, oh, man, man, you did it. 
You're doing it. This is professional. This is amazing. This is going to be one of the biggest podcasts in the world one day. And I'm guest you, number 22, 23, and I'm going to be yeah. guest number 150. We're going to bring it Keep back. Keep coming back, brother. Keep Come coming on, back. Man. Yeah. But nah, man, just go out there and go accomplish or go do anything, man. Just be a good person. And the energy you put out, you will receive it. Absolutely. I'm proud of you, man. I'm really excited for you. You got a, a lot on your plate, but I know you're going to do very well. So looking forward to seeing your journey this year with the football team. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate you even thinking about me and considering me for your platform, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. We'll do it again. Yes, sir.